Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. X-Ray. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful, but here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Kerbake. Let's talk about money. And here's our producer, Will Romy. Here I am. Uh, so today, since a lot of people are last minute filing their taxes right now, I thought I would talk about things you can do if you get a tax refund, where you can put it. From the top, I want to mention, you know, not everybody gets a tax refund. I'm not making the assumption that you've gotten a tax refund. But I know a lot of people kind of come into tax refunds and start spending it in their head immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, they're like, oh, I got $400. I got $2,000. I'm going to get a new car. I'm going to put a down payment on a auto lease. New computer. Uh, new, that was mine last year. New computer. Uh, any number of things I, I see people end up doing with their tax refunds and spending them in their head. Spending it is fine, but I like to give you some alternatives of things that you can do with your tax refund. You filed. You didn't get a tax refund, right? I filed. I got a tax defund uh, where I didn't pay my taxes on my 1099 as it was coming in and got smacked with that. But now I know. Yep. Yeah. If you are a 1099 employee and you make less than 60K a year, you don't have to file quarterly. Um, a lot of people hear quarterly and kind of freak out. But if you make less than $60,000, you, do you don't need to file quarterly. Uh, unfortunately, you do need to keep saving up for mm -hmm. your taxes so that when you do file, you have money there for them. Uh, but you bought a laptop last year. That's something you can tax I got a deduct. Oh, because I'm using it for work. Yep. It's sitting right here in front of me now. Yep. Yeah. You know, I don't want to dive too deep into tax strategies. I like to talk more about the refunds. But if you find your, you know, if you've <laughs> avoided, you've put off dealing with your taxes, um, partially maybe because you have 1099 income in the gig economy, a lot of us do. Mm -hmm. And you are really struggling with how are you going to come up with this money? Know a couple things. One, know that you should make the most of those deductions. If you're 1099, the government considers you a business owner, a sole proprietor business owner. And that means that there is a lot more things you can tax deduct. I have to say, after this past tax season, I'm ready to learn games. I'm ready to do better yeah. next, next tax year. Um, it's frustrating that it can be challenging to do this, you know, to figure this out on your own. I will say that there's a couple different resources you can use if you're trying to figure this out. One is actually IRS.gov. IRS.gov, the website, is actually pretty phenomenally good at spelling out the different kinds of deductions. They're pretty good at documentation. So if you have questions about something like the home office deduction, 
their information is actually really extensive. Huh. Um, mileage is a big one. Mileage can be a little confusing. You do need to keep records if you want to deduct mileage. And there's a lot of trips that don't count. To and from your office as a commute, for example, doesn't count. But if you go see a client and you use your car during the day, then you can deduct that mileage. Right. Um, and so their IRS.gov is very good at explaining those kind of things. So, you know, I I had a side business last year. Um, that's now I'm trying to make my main business. And after all of the things I was able to deduct, I ended up losing $62. So I didn't have to actually pay any taxes on the income I got from my business last year. Well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was great, right? I mean, obviously, I would rather not lose $62. Uh, paying taxes would be great, but I'm not at that point with my business yet. And so I ended up getting a refund. So for other people that are in that um, situation, uh, you might have gotten a refund because you overwithheld. And one of the things to do when you get a refund is make sure it's not because you overwithheld. That would mean that you put a lower number on the on the form when you filled out your uh, tax form at mm -hmm. your job. Um, this doesn't apply to 1099 people that don't get withheld. This applies if you have a regular W-2 job where you get paid a wage and they take out taxes. Right. Um, some people will overestimate and so they'll end up putting uh, a low number like one when in fact they qualify for two or three exemptions. And that means essentially you're giving the, the government an interest-free loan on your money <laughs> and getting it back as a refund. Maybe that makes sense for you. Maybe you just, you you know, you can't trust yourself with that money and you'd like to have it come out of every Someone's got to support the federal government these days. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, eventually <laughs> they give it back, right? So one of the things to make sure is that you're not over withholding for next year, right? Because it'd be better to get that in each paycheck yeah. um, and make your own choices about it. If you are over withholding, how would you go and change that? You know, some people this happens because they have a kid mid midway through the year yep. and they were withholding just based on themselves. And then suddenly they uh, actually, you know, suddenly there's this kid. Yeah, suddenly there's a kid. And, you know, they had a new kid. Maybe they were not worrying about changing forms with HR at that time. <laughs> a little busy trying to. So, keep... so do you just have to fill out a new W-2 or? Um, yes. Well, I, that's all you have to do. Just cool. go in, talk to your HR, ask to fill out a new W-2. You know, and they've got a pretty good worksheet, but if you're having trouble figuring out, Google is your best friend. It can help you figure it out. There's only, you know, unless you have a ton of kids, there's only so many numbers you can put on the line. You're probably going to put a one, <laughs> two, or a three. That's that's most likely what you're going to do. One thing in your situation, I know that you have one job that's a W-2 and you have another mm -hmm. job that's a 1099. Mm -hmm. This is a great example of if you don't personally want to be dealing with saving that money, you can over withhold from your W-2 job. So you can actually put a lower number on the line. You could put a zero um, if you're putting a one right now. And it will hold more out of your paycheck, but it's essentially making up for that money that you're not withholding with your 1099. And it's very likely you'd owe less at tax time. Oh, I really like that idea. Such such that I will simultaneously get my refund and owe those taxes. And hopefully in such a manner that they balance out a little better. Yeah, the, huh. the goal would be that you it would likely balance out. Interesting. Um, so I, I usually recommend doing that to people that are in the kind of interesting position of having one W-2 job and one 1099 job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you've got a refund. Let's say you've got a refund. Um, you know, mine is mine is going to be like 400 bucks. Um, there's a couple different things you should consider doing with them. Instead of spending it in your head, I'm always a big fan of saving. But remember how we've talked on the show before about the buffer, about having money in your checking account equal to one month's expenses. Mm -hmm never been able to make it happen before, you've got a tax refund, this is a perfect time to just leave that money in the checking account and then start budgeting 
this month's income for next month. Yeah, that uh, makes a lot of sense. Any big cash infusion seems like a big It's a opportunity great opportunity to do it without it really hurting in the way that it might to try to get to the savings point. You, you just got it. It's there. And it just, it gives you some breathing room and some grace. So let's say you've already got that, though. What else could you do? Well, if you've got debt, this is a great opportunity to use this to pay down debt. Um, this is particularly good if you've got like a $1,000 tax refund and you've got stupid little debts hanging over your head, mm-hmm. maybe a small student loan that you still haven't paid off or a credit card bill or um, medical debt, I know is a big one, you know, where you, like they just sort of add up and they nickel and dime you. This is a great opportunity to pay down some of that debt. Remember, there's two different ways to pay down debt. You can approach the highest interest rate first, which is mathematically the most sound way to do it. So you need to know your interest rates. Usually credit cards have the highest interest rate. Or you can use it to uh, pay down your smallest balance first, just so that it's out of your hair. That's technically the least mathematically sound um, if it has a lower interest rate, but it's often the best for cash flow. Mm -hmm. And I understand the appeal. I remember, I remember you referring to it as the snowball method. And yeah. I, I definitely like the, the, the imagery of rolling up your, your debt snowman <laughs> and then knocking it down. Exactly. So, you know, paying down debt, saving for a buffer. If you've got those things covered, emergency fund is a great thing to put this towards. Uh, remember, I really like to encourage people to have three to six months in an emergency fund. And an emergency fund is not jewelry that you can pawn. It's not <laughs> your car. It's not your house. Your emergency fund isn't your retirement account. An emergency fund is something liquid. So it means it's something you can easily... Oil. <laughs> yeah, not oil, though. And it's not gold. Can I tell you it's not gold? Um, gold can be an investment that maybe makes sense for you, uh, especially if you commonly travel to parts of the world where it makes <laughs> sense. But gold is very volatile. The price goes up and down all the time. So um, here's the thing. Cash. Cash is great. It's amazing. Um, remember, this is this is insurance. This isn't an investment, the emergency fund. It's insurance against bad things happening to you. So it's okay if it's not earning great money, if it isn't earning great returns. It's okay to just leave it in a savings account earning like 0.7% interest rate. A good place to store an emergency fund is a money market account. And the reason a money market account is good is because it is it, it gets a little better than a savings account, but you can still access it without penalties. Um, the thing about a money market account is that you are sort of storing it there. It it might get 3%. You know, 3%'s not awesome, but 3% is better than Yeah, I think that's 0.5%. better than my savings account. It isn't, it isn't 100%. Like, you're still technically investing in, in a fund in the market. So theoretically, it could go up or down, um, but it's way less volatile. It has a lot more uh, kind of bonds that it's invested in. The other thing to know about a money market account is that usually a money market account, you can't take it out instantly, right? You can usually take it out within two to three days. The reason that's okay for an emergency fund is there's most emergencies even if they're they're emergencies, right? They're often yeah. immediate. Two to three days is usually fine to get access to the money. You could theoretically put it on a card until then. If it's a medical bill, it's not going to come due the second you walk into the hospital. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so two a to hospital th- with a cover charge would be Ooh. rough. Oh, I shouldn't I'm, even say that out loud. Yeah, don't Sounds say the wrong person will be listening. I know. Please. Oh, oh. <laughs> 
It just stresses me out. Okay, so the, so the money market account makes a lot of sense yeah, for the emergency fund just because of its stability and relatively decent interest rate as well as its accessibility. Yeah, and the accounts themselves are FDIC insured, which is the same as your checking and savings. You're like, all right, I have these all. I'm I'm totally... I got I, my emergency fund. I've got no, three months of savings. I have no debt. What else can I do this on? Well... I've talked about the Roth IRA before. I'm a big fan of these individual retirement accounts and finding a way to actually deposit money into them. What's really cool about these is if you're low income, we talked about in another episode, how if you deposit money into these and invest it, then the government might actually give you a break on your taxes next year. This sounds... uh. Like a positive feedback cycle. Yeah, it's pretty good. So if you're low income and you really struggle to put money away for your retirement and you get a tax refund and otherwise you feel, you know, like you've got kind of the pillars, the basic pillars of your money management in Mm -hmm. place, putting it in a Roth IRA is great. Just spend that money on your future. Just, Just tuck it away. One other thing that you can do is if you feel like you're in a great place financially and you're ready to do it and you don't often have opportunities to do it, charitable giving. You know I'm a former nonprofit fundraiser, so I'm always all about <laughs> uh, giving to charity. But um, this is a really great opportunity to have it not hurt hurt for you to give to charity and give a really awesome gift uh, to some local organization. Um, there's a bunch of places to do research. You know, we could always suggest X-Ray. Willamette Week's gift guide always has good ideas. Yes, although that gift, uh, that opens gift guide? that opens in November, yeah. so it's not really... Yeah, if you, you have your back issues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give guide. Um, if I'm a selfish person, I don't want to give money because I'm nice. I want to give money because I want to save money. Is that going to help me out? It could, if you're someone who doesn't take the standard deduction on your taxes. Most people take the standard deduction, so they actually don't save any money on their taxes with charitable donations. You could just be doing it because you're trying to make the world better. Uh, There's a lot of people who believe that charitable donations will help them on their taxes, but then they don't actually itemize their taxes because only about 35% of Americans do itemize their taxes. So um, it's unlikely that you're going to get Uh, a big deal on your taxes. One exception to that is if, as we talked about, if you are someone who owns a business, you're 1099, and you give a donation that has a marketing component to it. Oh, okay. So then that ties back into what you were saying earlier. Yep, exactly. Um, But if you you don't own your own business and you just have a a regular, you know, nine to five W-2 job, you can make a charitable donation. It will be highly appreciated. But unless you own a house and itemize your deductions, it is unlikely that you will get much of a tax benefit for your charitable donations. However, you get the warm fuzzies of supporting charitable organizations, which That's is great. Important. Yeah. So uh, tattoos are a great investment because the sooner you get them, the less you're paying for them per day. So consider getting all of your tattoos as young as possible. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could go back and tell my 16-year-old self that does not make sense. Uh, I have some tattoos that, you know, removing them costs a lot of money later. Here's the thing also. Tattoos fit very well in this. It's okay to spend some of your tax refund on something that you want. It's okay. Um, You know, I am very prone to saving and I get a lot of value out of saving. Mm -hmm. We've talked before about how I'm a little screwed up where I prefer saving over other things. Um, You make compelling arguments for it. But it's okay to spend money on yourself. And if you are in the kind of situation where you know you're not going to spend that money otherwise, or you just never kind of have that money around, Mm -hmm. um, it's okay to take a small percentage of of it out and spend it. You could do 50-50. 
you could you could spend you know 50% of it and then save 50% for something. So I'm really excited to hear what you did with your tax refunds, if you got one, or what your strategies are for taxes this year. So feel free to drop us a line at podcast at ohmydollar.com uh, or questions at ohmydollar.com or find us on the internet at all the places at ohmydollar. That wraps our show for today. Our producer is Will Romy. Our intro music is by Aaron Parecki. And I'm Lillian Kerbake, your personal finance educator and host. Thanks for listening. Until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. Money.